Um, Carino's taught me a lot of the business background. I mean, it's counting nickels and pennies and food cost and labor cost. So now it, it, it's funny watching them kind of come up to Fort Worth and kind of the, their eyes get kind of big and wide. Like, oh, all right. Okay, I guess it's better you didn't uh, <laughs> teach political science at TCU. <laughs> there's no weekends. There's no holidays. There's no Christmas. There's no Easter. There's no Mother's Day. Like, send your mom a card and because you're going to work those every single time. And I'm blessed to have a great family and a great spouse that understands that. It's the Culinary School Podcast, presented by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Here's your host, James Creange. All right, welcome to the Culinary School Podcast. I'm your host, James Creange. Today, I'm joined by Russell Kirkpatrick. Russell's been with the Riata Restaurant since May of 2005 and is now the general manager over there. Russell, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks today. for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is. Uh, it was a little tough getting the schedule in. I know sure. you're a busy guy, so yeah. I appreciate this. Uh, so I want to start off in an email that you sent the other day. Uh, you said that you've spent a lot of time in the kitchen, yep. uh, but you wouldn't consider yourself a chef. What would you consider yourself? Uh, a stopgap. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's if I need to wait a table, if I need to seat a table, if I need to answer a phone, if I need to saute vegetables, it, 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 it's a stopgap. And I, I think most true restaurateurs would, would consider themselves that. Um, luckily, you get to a point to your career where it's more of, I say luckily, um, it's weird. You get out of what you are naturally doing, um, and you're more answering phones and, and kind of doing stuff, the administrative part. But yeah, it's a, uh, man, I, 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 I like to think of myself as the highest paid busboy in Fort Worth. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I clean tables and run food basically. What What are some of the challenges of that? Of kind of having to have your finger in all the pots. Um, you and that's one of the main reasons I, I joined on at Riata. Um, out of college, I I got a job with Johnny Carinos, which was a national chain at the point. I had no idea it was a national chain. I just thought there was one in New Braunfels. Um, started there, was with them for five years. And my wife was born and raised in Fort Worth, so we always went to Riata for birthdays, anniversaries, and I looked at the girth of the operation like, man, how do you even wrap your head around that? Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, you jump in and you and you tackle everything you can. Um, you, you look at it from a guest perspective of how can I make every day better for guests? And not only guests, at this point, it's the biggest challenge is, is our, our, our staff. Um, you know, everybody loves new restaurants. Do you like new restaurants? Love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody <laughs> loves new restaurants. The thing thing with new restaurants is it, it, it depletes the already shallow employee pool. Not only cooks, but hosts and servers. And so people love new restaurants, but they go out to new restaurants like, man, the service was not great. Because there's there's not a lot of great servers out there anymore. It, it, it's tough. And so w- with my dual role with Riata and the Food and Wine Festival... I like to promote Fort Worth with the Food and Wine Festival and really like beat the drum for new restaurants. But man, it's tough to, you know, get great service and great food. And what do you look for in great service? Like it's gotta be hard to tell. And I'm sure like how did you present yourself out of college? You know, I, I think you know, the, the the best uh analogy I've heard is uh, is from Danny Meyer. Um he's got several restaurants in New York, Enlightened Hospita- Hospitality. It's really making sure that you make a, a connect with the guest. It's 
hey, what can I do for you? And you you just you just draw into the guest. Um, it's it's not rocket science. It, it's really just being there for your guest. Yeah, I, I worked in um, the food industry actually before I got the job uh, with the culinary school, and it was kind of the same thing. You know, some people had it and some people yep. didn't have it. Um, how do you tailor people that might not have it or are close to having it um, to the point where there's someone that you want to be working with? Well, the great thing about the service industry is that there's a there's a role for everybody. So you might have the guy that runs more food than other guys or stocks more glassware than other guys. And then you have the champion of guests who is great in front of guests, uh, groups of 20 or so. Um, I think it's finding the niche. Um, the great thing with Riata and most restaurants, if you can place people in the right places, um, they'll succeed. And it might be a small section. You might only have three tables, but if you like to talk a lot, those three small tops will make you more money than the one person with a giant, giant room full of people. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just playing off people's strengths um, and, and hiring the right people, obviously. So you had mentioned um, when you got out of college, you got the job uh, right away with Johnny Carinos. Um, and I want to ask you a question about that in a second. Sure. Um, but first, did you always know um, that you wanted to uh, get into the food industry in college? Or was that did that kind of just fall into your lap? totally fell into my lap so I, w- I i was studying i have a degree in political science minor in history um so it was either teaching or law school um neither one of them really felt great to me uh <laughs> I, if we, we want to do the backstory on how i got a job in the restaurant industry um i had a fraternity brother at the time that worked at a restaurant in green texas um uh, right outside in new Braunfels. Um, and he basically gave me, a, I had applied at this place and they said, no, cause you have no experience, which is always tough. Um, and so he worked there and he gave me all the hot spots. You know, I can take a four table section and a tin top and I know what a ramekin is and just all these just hot words for the business. <laughs> so I went in again for the, for the interview and got hired, um, had no idea what I was doing. Um, and it, it, it it's, it's like. You know, I know you talked to John Manel. It, it it catches you like a bug. It you know, it, for whatever reason, it just sinks into you. And for me, it was a curiosity of how do you make everything work from people walking into the front door and a hostess, and then they sit down and there's a dishwasher and a cook and a server, and it it, it just it fascinated me. Um, and it, it, it's it's had me even today. You know, if I went back to school, I'd probably get a degree in psychology and or economics and figure out why people spend more money if they sit next to a window or why people spend more money if they sit in the whatever it is. It fascinates me to the end all every day. So cor- correct me if I'm wrong here, but when you first got into the industry with Johnny Carinos, mm-hmm. uh, you were kind of from location to location, right? Yep. So you were helping open a lot yep. of places. Um, what's that shift like uh, for you? Like, when did you decide you wanted to settle down and not kind of jump from spot to spot? Uh, well, it wasn't even spot to spot. My, my wife was born and raised in Fort Worth. So, you know, I, I transferred from the New Braunfels store, which was a great opportunity. Um, I mean, it was like the end all be all store of Carino's. It, it birthed their CEO, their CEO, their, their executive chef for the con- concept. Um, so I moved up to Denton, um, and opened that store, opened Mansfield, opened Fort Worth. Um, but no, it, it wasn't even the jumping around. I, I, I credit Carino's a lot. Because I came from a mom and pop shop, so to speak, 
which had very little business practices, which I think a lot of, uh, and we see this in culinary students that, that graduate now, um, you know, they, they come out of school, at least high school, thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to get a culinary school at 22, I'll have my restaurant at 25, I'll have my book at 28, I'll have my TV show at 30, and I'm retired by 35. Um, I think that's a, a lot of the romanticism of the restaurant business. Um, Carino's taught me a lot of the business background. I mean, it's counting nickels and pennies and food cost and labor cost. Um, but yeah, so it was a transition from there to, you know, Riata was just like this behemoth of a restaurant and trying to figure out how to wrap my head around that. So you've been with them for 13 years mm-hmm. um, and there's such high turnover rate in the industry. How have you stayed on there and how have you adapted with the times? You know, the, the great thing, you know, my job has been pretty easy, so to speak. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, I'm blessed to talk and speak and coach young people every day. Um, it's tremendous, you know, 2008, 2009 market dipped a little bit. And we had at that point, you know, 55 servers is what we usually keep. And probably 25 had degrees. 10 of them had graduate degrees. Um, job market was tough. And so at that point we had average server was there for four and a half years, which is, it makes my job so much easier when you have servers there for four and a half years. Uh, but it's it's a great job, and you have to make it a great job. Anybody can make money anywhere. You can go to Del Frisco's, you can go to Bird Cafe, you can go to a numerous amount of restaurants in Fort Worth. But man, you got to make it worth it, worth their while, and and not only front of house but back house as well. Um, you know, I, I know for you know this podcast a little bit more towards the culinary school side. What I can tell the kids looking at coming out of culinary school, man, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard work. It's peeling potatoes and, and washing dishes and scrubbing floors, and it's not glamorous. It's not, it, and nobody cares about your degree. They really don't. When you walk into the earth, like, that's great, but can you cook a steak? Um, and it's going to be a while. How, how do you recommend someone um, maybe going into their first job? How do they impress you? Work ethic. I, I think not only myself, but anybody's going to tell you, you work hard, you're going to do well. Um, you know, like I said, we've got a 12-year-old. That, man, it, it's all about work ethic. Like, work hard, put your nose down. It's yes, sir, no, ma'am. Um, you listen to what you're told, and it's – which nowadays is a little tough. Um, but, yeah, it, it's – you you learn from people who know more than you, which even to this day – I spend an hour a day trying to focus on learning from somebody who knows more than I do. And there's a, I'll do that to my dying day. There's more people out there who know infinite amount more about stuff than I do. So it's, uh, you know, just learn stuff and, and work hard. And, you know, if you really want this to be your avenue of success, it'll get there. But it's not going to be overnight. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is it's not going to be overnight and you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to push yourself um, and and maybe even step out of your comfort zone. Sure. Um, And what would you say to someone who, and you brought it up before, like a lot of people in culinary school, they have this dream of opening their own small shop. And um, how would you tell someone that they're not a failure, basically, if they end up working someone else's kitchen? Sure. Their entire life. You know, and and I, you know, I, I get paid by somebody else. You know, I always have, and 
you know, a couple weeks ago we had a uh, reunion dinner at, at the restaurant. So it was Grady Spears and Tim Love and Brian Olajak and all these guys who have been in the kitchen for, for, for you know, at least some small point. Um, and I said that to the group is, you know, my challenge at this point is to make sure that their work is not discounted and I keep the standards that those guys set. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of if you don't open your own restaurant because it's a huge risk. Um, now that being said, by all means, if you have a great idea and a great spot, jump on it. Um, it, it, restaurant business is tough. I, I think a lot of people fail because they don't understand the math of it, and it really breaks down the math. It's can you afford the rent in the space you're paying, and then you knock out food costs and overheads and, and labor. And I think a lot of people, you know, it's the, hey, you have the best fajitas in, in the neighborhood, so you need to open a Mexican food restaurant, and they open it up, and all of a sudden, you know, they have to pay rent, and they have to pay food costs, and it, it, it'll get up on top of them pretty quick but yeah it's you know i i for me not being the guy who's ever rolled the dice um there's nothing to be ashamed of of working as hard as you can for as long as you can for somebody who you know respects what you do yeah absolutely and and you've been in the industry for close to 20 years what are some of the changes that you've noticed um in workers and in the industry in general well, I don't know if it's just industry. I think it's just workers in general. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion about millennials and what they're good at and what they're not good at. Um, but, you know, what I've told our manage, managers is, you know, we have to adapt. An entire generation is not going to adapt for us. So we have to mold ourselves and our management style around those people. And if we do that, we're going to win. We're going to beat the guy down the street that's going to be hard-headed and, my God, you know, this kid doesn't want to show up to work in time. And So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you have to kind of hold your standards, but you also have to adapt to the ever-changing workforce. Um, and I think the more that you can adapt to your employee, employee the better. Yeah, and uh, that's that's cool. I think that's that's good advice, and it kind of leads me into – uh, my next question here. So you have to sit through some praise here for a quick second. Okay. Uh, but if you look online, you can find some really positive reviews about how you, uh, your work and how you handle yourself at work. Uh, one former employee said his intelligence, integrity, high level of energy and sense of humor made working for him a pleasure. Hmm. Another mentioned your integrity as well. Um, said you were very fair. How much do these compliments mean to you in a time where people working in the restaurant industry often aren't viewed in the most positive light? You know, I'll say this, it, 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 those types of quotes from people that have worked for me mean more than any other compliment I could ever get. Um, it, it's, you know, the, it, it's, the restaurant industry is very weird because it's a, you manufacture what you make, you order it and you, so you bring in the product, you manufacture it, you sell it, you serve it, um, all with a smile. Um, and in the last 15 years, it's become, I don't know if sexy is the word, but just notable um, to where you get your name in the paper and it, it it's it's weird, <laughs> you know, but man, it, it's the people that work for you that guess what? When you show up, you know, I'll leave here and I'll go into our pre, pre-shift meal in front of 20 staff members and we're going to talk about tonight and here's the features and here's what we have to do. And, you know, the, the, the guests that are coming in tonight don't care about the podcast I was on. It Like they want... <laughs> 
that staff to feel that energy and I have to lead that energy. So having compliments for, from, from those people is 10 times more important than any kind of write up you'll ever get in a newspaper or TV, anything like that. Um, so yeah, it, it, that means a lot. Those, those compliments are amazing. And did you always, was it always kind of a conscious effort for you that you were going to treat people fairly and, and you weren't going to be the guy that was yelling and screaming at people? Uh, you know, and I didn't even know the yelling and screaming happened until like I watched Hell's Kitchen or, or any of, you know, <laughs> yeah. the Gordon Ramsay stuff. Like it, it's so overblown, like that's the, the typical because it's not, it, it, at least any kitchen I've been in, it, it's not, um, I mean, if that happened, trust me, your line guys are going to walk off like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. Yell at me and throw a pan at me. <laughs> I'm leaving, and you're going to have to cook this. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, for for lack of a better term, I was raised right. Um, you know, my, my parents, uh, you know, they, they weren't super excited with my choice of career at, at first. You know, they're like, okay, he's going to work in restaurants. Um, but I grew up in a little town. Like restaurants were, they, they weren't restaurants. Yeah. We had a Sonic and a Dairy Queen, and, and I grew up in Lockhart, so we had barbecue joints. And <laughs> so it's, you know, like, well, he's, oh, I have no idea what he's going to do. He's going to work in a restaurant, which means, you know, eight bucks an hour, whatever it is. And and so now it, it it's funny watching them kind of come up to Fort Worth and just kind of the, their eyes get kind of big and white, like, wow, all right. <laughs> I guess it's better you didn't uh, <laughs> teach political science at TCU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to start to wind down um, a little bit. And sure. I know uh, you obviously you got to get going yeah. to your restaurant as well. Uh, but I want to ask you, outside of Riata, what's your experience with the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival been like? Man, it, it's been amazing. So, oh gosh, I guess seven years ago... Um, We've had the 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 opportunity to participate in the Buffalo Gap Wine and Food Summit for I guess ten years now, which that's Tom and Lisa Perini out in in Buffalo Gap, a little bit south of Abilene, and it's an amazing place. If you've never been there, just go. It's it's you could close your eyes, open up, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in Texas. It 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 really says that. But uh, you know, I've, it, it, there's 15 restaurants and. You know, there's probably 10 Fort Worth restaurants. I mean, it was this, you know, we just got back. It was us and John Bunnell and Marcus Pasley and Juan Rodriguez and Michael Thompson and Grady Spears. So, you know, 10 years ago, you're looking around, you're like, man, if there's, they sell out in six minutes, 500 tickets in six minutes. Um, And they still do it, phone calls, which I'm still not sure how they even figure that out. Okay, we got you in. Okay, we got you in. Um but yeah, so uh, we started. This was our fifth year. Um, so far, we've raised over two hundred thousand dollars for culinary grants and scholarships for for students. Um, but man, you know, you want to talk about a passion project? You know, I've you know, my wife, you know, I've made zero dollars and zero cents, spending a lot of time on this project, and it's it's been incredible. It it, it really is. Um, and not so much, you know, I feel at Riata we're blessed to have the publicity that we get. Um, but there's so many great restaurants in Fort Worth that maybe people don't know about. And so if we can put them on a platform, at least for one weekend, and have somebody walk up like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Where are you at? When are you open? And I'm going to come back and eat there. It's a win-win for everybody. Um, you know, the, the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau has gotten behind it. 
Um, Fort Worth is going to is on the way to becoming a dining destination. Um, so yeah, it it's been a it you know nothing short of magical. It, it's 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 been really cool. Yeah, I, I went this year for the first time and just wanted. What, to what'd you go to? I went on uh, the Sunday. The culinary school was okay. a part yeah, of it yeah. on Sunday. So you went to the barbecue. Event. All the barbecue. Yeah, yeah. it was that's awesome. Not bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You picked a good day. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. The barbecue, the whiskey. The yeah, thing, it was awesome. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, just got to wrap up here. Uh, let's talk for a minute about outside of um, the kitchen, outside of work. Sure. Um, and how you balance your time. So you're a foster parent. Yep. Um, how difficult is it for you? And actually, one of the reasons we had to reschedule, right, was sure. uh, you just got a new foster child. And yeah, it's yeah. crazy. So yeah. how difficult is it for you to ba- balance that work and family life? You know, I've been blessed with the most perfect wife ever. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, I know everybody says that, but like for real, I, I got it. Um you know, so she, she does home health care. She's a speech pathologist, so she has flexibility in her schedule a little bit, but it's tough. It's tough, it, and, and I want to make sure that comes through to anybody, especially in the culinary school that listens to this podcast. It's tough. It's, it's, I mean, I'm 20 years into it, and now I have flexibility to do stuff like fostering, which is, you know, I, I think something that, that that I was called to do, and I feel more strongly about that than other things in my life, including restaurant business at this point. But, man, when you're 18, 19, 20, or let's just say 18 to 20, let's say 18 to 30, um, (laughs) there's no weekends. There's no weekends. There's no holidays. There's no Christmas. There's no Easter. There's no Mother's Day. Like, send your mom a card, and because you're going to work those every single time, and I'm blessed to have – a great family and a great spouse that understands that like, okay, it's mother's day and he's not going to be here again. Um, but the great thing about Fort Worth is you have so many great restaurateurs that, that have spouses that are amazing. You know, I know you talk of John, like Melinda's amazing. She's a great wife and Richard King who owns Ellerby, you know, Corinne's a super, super, super awesome wife. And I think at, at, at this point in your career, you have to have a spouse that gives you the flexibility to work a, and then B, hopefully if you get into the industry long enough, you can try to flourish on other things like, you know, we've decided fostering's our, our gig. And uh, so, yeah, just pick a good spouse. <laughs> so when you were when you were younger, what was it that was motivating you? Um, when, when you were missing all the weekends and the holidays and everything, what was driving you? Um, I think it always was one of those weird kind of in the back of my mind, um, just kind of prove what I'm worth which and I don't even know who I had to prove it to um you know it's it's and I'll still get back there and wash dishes you know if the dish pit gets backed up guess what I'm gonna roll up my sleeve and I'll get back there I don't know why I do it I have no idea why I do it um but it's just to prove man like there's no job beneath me ever um and I will do whatever it takes to make this restaurant wherever it is I'm at to be the best restaurant it can possibly be. And, and finally, what's what's next for you? Do you see anything beyond Riata, or are you there for the long haul? <laughs> Hopefully my boss is not listening. <laughs> um, no, no. Um, you know, we just opened a, a, a cafe downstairs, or downtown called 203 Cafe. It's in the uh, second story of the old firehouse um, at the Bank of America Tower. So we've got some projects going on there. Um, you know, I, I think long-term, um, I think my goal 
and it may be through Riata or maybe not, um, is to open a restaurant that might cater to either juveniles um, that have been put into the juvenile system or those coming out of uh, out of the jail system and try to focus maybe a restaurant around that, give them some job skills. Not only job skills, it would make it a eight-week course or you know a, a semester worth of get in there and we'll teach you how to play with fire and knives and uh, cook some stuff and service skills and job functionality. And uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll see. That, that's kind of sitting there on, on, on the back burner. So we'll be doing a follow-up podcast with you we'll in see. a couple of years. <laughs> well, the great thing about it is there's so many great people in Fort Worth that can help that happen. It's You can't do anything here, especially on that scale, without help, whether it's Mark or whether it's you know Sundance Square, whether whoever it is. Um, there's money involved, there's people involved, there's training involved. Um, and that's not something that you can just pull out of your back pocket and say, hey, I'm going to write a check and let's open this restaurant for, um, you know, juveniles that are coming out of the system. But, you know, to cut down on the recidivism rate, um, would be huge. There's a, there's a restaurant in Dallas called Cafe Momentum, which Chad Hauser runs, um, which would kind of serve as a kind of a, a, a model. Um, but yeah, so I think that's probably in the next, say, five to ten years awesome that's cool uh well thank you so much for coming on russell i appreciate you, you giving me the time i appreciate it thank you very much all right thanks again to russell kirkpatrick for coming on to the podcast uh you should definitely go and check out his restaurant called riata um in downtown fort worth it's also never too early to start thinking about fort worth food and wine festival 2019 uh, so go look up some information about that. You can find it online. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Um, and also listen to our uh, other uh, recordings, uh, the one with Greg Saltzman uh, from Pearl Snap Kalachis and the one from John Bennell are live right now. So go and check those out. And if you subscribe, you'll be alerted immediately of all our new podcasts once they are posted. Um, so you could stay up to date with that. If you want to stay up to date with our other posts and see what's going on at the Culinary School of Fort Worth, you can follow us on Facebook. Just look up the Culinary School of Fort Worth and press follow. And you can also follow us on Instagram. We are Culinary School FTW. Um, I handle all the posts for that. So I post a lot of videos. There's alumni videos and uh, student videos. And we have a blog that's going to be coming out soon, um, as well as pictures. So there's daily, just about daily pictures of all the delicious food uh, that we get to eat at the school. Um, so definitely go ahead and follow us on all of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that we are doing. And thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks and we hope to see you there.